Welcome to the Nutritional Outlook podcast. Today, we will be talking about the recently introduced Food Safety Administration Act. As many of you know, Senator Dick Durbin recently introduced a new bill, which would reorganize the way food and drugs are regulated by the federal government by establishing a separate agency to oversee food, including dietary supplements. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration has long been criticized for not doing enough to ensure that the food and beverage products reaching consumers on store shelves are safe to consume. While Durbin's focus when introducing the legislation was predominantly on foodborne illnesses and death, FDA's failure to effectively prevent adulteration and remove adulterated dietary supplements from the marketplace has shed a negative light not only on the agency but also on the dietary supplement industry more broadly. This new legislation presents an opportunity for more effective oversight of dietary supplements that would result in a safer marketplace and a more positive reputation for the industry. That's the hope. To help us better understand how this legislation might revamp dietary supplement oversight and its potential impacts on the dietary supplement industry, we're talking today to Michael McGuffin, president of the American Herbal Products Association. APA has endorsed the bill with a caveat that dietary supplements are regulated alongside food and beverages. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. What if you had limitless access to customer insights, accelerated timelines, and set fees? At True Serum Network, we're fueled by connections in virtually every area of healthcare as part of MJH Life Sciences. The result? Audience-fed creative and more powerful content in less time. True Serum Network, releasing what's real. Find out more at trueserumntwk.com. Welcome back, folks. We are now joined by Michael McGuffin, president of the American Herbal Products Association. Welcome, Michael. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much, Jennifer and Sebastian. It's a pleasure to be here. We always appreciate the opportunity to talk to folks at Nutritional Outlook. Pleasure to have you. Um, Okay, well, to start with, APA said in its statement endorsing this bill that, you know, there was an earlier idea circulating while this bill was being developed that would have placed dietary supplements under the purview of the so-called Federal Drug Administration. This has since been revised, which was to the satisfaction of APA, but reading the bill, the only indication that the Food Safety Administration would regulate dietary supplements is a sentence stating that it will, quote, administer and enforce all authorities under chapter four of the Federal Food, Drug and Cosmetic Act with no explicit mention of dietary supplements anywhere else. Additionally, Senator Durbin does have a history of targeting the dietary supplement industry and his statement when introducing the bill was focused on safety from foodborne pathogens. Are you confident that this legislation will ultimately treat dietary supplements as food? What well, I, I will never express certainty when it comes to dealing with any legislative vehicle. Um, but as you'll also recall, our, our statement of support for this legislation is contingent upon that dietary supplements would go to the new food agency. We would uh, oppose any legislation that changed the definition of food to remove dietary supplements. So that's the, the starting point here, I also think it's important to um, uh, look at the specific language of the bill 
you're correct in that um, it, it states that the new agency, the new food safety agency, would assume all of the responsibilities for carrying out chapter four of the Federal Food, Drug and Cosmetic Act, today's Federal Food, Drug and Cosmetic Act. And then importantly, this other phrase, maintain all enforcement authorities with respect to food held on the date of enactment of this act by the Food and Drug Administration. Well, dietary supplements are regulated as foods. So that means that all of the current FDA authorities for dietary supplements would move to the new uh, food safety agency. It's also useful to look in a little bit of detail at um, chapter four. Um, and chapter four includes um, uh, food facility registration. It includes adulterated food and under adulterated food is one way you can adulterate food is fail to comply with the dietary supplement CGMP if you're making dietary supplements. The dietary supplement labeling exemptions, that's the part of the current Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act under um, the same chapter, uh, subchapter four that, would, uh, that allows us to provide use, truthful and not misleading information as long as it's um, physically separate. Now, we'd like to amend that, but not at this time. The point I'm making is simply that all of the ways that dietary supplements are currently regulated do fall under chapter four. And uh, the explicit mention of all of the current Food and Drug Administration's authorities, uh, enforcement authorities with respect to food, which of course includes dietary supplements, would move to the new agency. You're absolutely correct. The words dietary supplements are not here. Uh, we used to see dietary supplements in versions of this legislation that were introduced 10 and 15 years ago um, by Senator Durbin in the Senate and Congresswoman DeLauro in the House. We didn't like those words because what it proposed then was that it would amend the definition of food to remove dietary supplements from that definition. So I, I understand there, and you're not the first that we've heard this from, how come it doesn't point blank say, and dietary supplements? It need not do so. We're food, it didn't change that. Right, and what ultimately led APA to endorse this bill? We, this started with, we had a feeling, we, we had, we had a moment sitting with Will Woodley, our uh, outside counsel, and Robert Marriott, APA's director of regulatory affairs, and Pete Evich, our federal lobbyist, uh, where we could read the writing on the wall that we know that Senator Durbin and Congresswoman DeLauro have had an interest in this in a long time. And here was this drumbeat of negative attention on FDA's ability to um, take the food part of its job seriously. So we reached out and initiated a conversation, asked if there was any thinking on this. We were told that there was in fact consideration and that's when we made the point about we need dietary supplements to go with the food side. Um, so th there's um, the, the, the reasons that we've endorsed it are several. One is we just think it would be a better way to regulate dietary supplements and foods. Um, 
the um, we want an agency that has its full attention on foods, that engages experts on food and food safety. Um, the absence of such focus over really since 1938 has led to the recent events that have been broadly reported, structural problems in the chain of command, uh, the um, debacle of the, oops, there's no infant formula available, even though a whistleblower had communicated to FDA months earlier, and that never made it to the decision makers at FDA. Um, the attention on heavy metals and baby foods, the stalled implementation of FISMA, where they're under court order, um, the stalled decision-making on CBD. So we look at all of those factors and it appears to us that here's an agency that gets most of its funding from the drug side and users fee, user fees and has most of its attention on the drug side. And so food, including supplements, end up as a secondary focus. So it really is um, just a, a, a broad view of a what if the, the, there were an agency with all of its funding, all of its um, expertise focused on food, food safety. We think we've had experiences, this is getting a little into details, we have experiences, members call and say, I just had a CGMP inspection, the, the FDA crew that showed up to conduct the inspection have never inspected a food facility before. They're, they usually inspect uh, pharmaceutical companies and they don't know what we're doing and it's very confusing for them and it's very confusing for us to try to respond to questions that aren't really relevant. So there's a specific example. If we've got that uh, full attention on and expertise and experience related to, then we think we move more toward a relationship with an agency that's more informed about the kinds of products that we sell. You bring up a lot of great points. You know, it, I think, uh, an agency that's devoted for to food would be you know very efficient, but at the same time, when you're talking about changing the entire structure of a federal agency, uh, it sounds like a, an enormous undertaking. Um, and obviously, it's impossible to predict the many logistical issues um, that may happen. But like based on the language of the bill, how seamless do you think this kind of partition of FDA could be? You know where do you see potential problems, but does it come across as fairly simple to you reading the bill? No, not at all. It's, it's hugely complex. Um, it, would, it would take tremendous effort uh, to implement the vision uh, presented by this legislation. It would not be simple. It would not be done promptly, uh, but I do believe it can be done. Uh, you, you know, that maybe an experience from our lives over the last couple of years. If somebody had told you in January of 2020 that we would operate just as efficiently without going into our offices, we would have said that can't be done. That's too complicated. How would we possibly um, get all of the work done that now relies on being together? I mean, it might not be a perfect analogy, Sebastian, but I think we're, we're capable of uh, taking on complicated issues and resolving them. And I'll say this about 
the, the folks that I know at, at FDA, there's a lot of really smart people there. And I do have confidence that um, they would be able to take on this intensely complicated um, task if in fact uh, they, uh, it becomes the law. There will be an element of the, the, the employees on the food side would have to really embrace it. They really have to make it, wanna make it work and they'd have to have appropriate funding. And I'm sure we'll talk about that some more. They can't just do more work with less money or the same amount of work with less money. The Congress will have to take seriously its obligation to fund any new food safety agency or administration. Absolutely. Um, you know, and on the topic of funding, you know, we all wonder how much money will be allocated. Obviously, pharmaceuticals, you know, have funding. Um, wondering how well the food division or the food agency would be funded. So, you know, nearly half of FDA's budget, for instance, comes from user fees, um, which goes to the drugs. So does this bill guarantee equitable funding to accomplish its goal of increasing food safety? Like, do you believe that this agency, I, I know it's hard to say, but, you know, are there concerns that, you know, this agency would not be adequately funded? Always. There are always concerns about this. And the this legislation attempts to at least address that by there's the section four on the transferring of funds so that any appropriations, allocations, and other funds that relate to the authorities, functions, and agencies transferred in this bill to the new administration, that money goes with them. Um, those user fees are very meaningful. I believe they're all exclusively paid by the drug side, and they no doubt are protected for work on the drug side. So it's, yes, there's a tremendous, you're, about half of FDA's budget is user fees. And that we would assume would stay on the drug side, would stay at the new Federal Drug Administration. Um, and then I'll repeat what I said a minute ago. If Senator Durbin and his colleagues and Representative DeLauro and her colleagues are serious, they're going to have to take a serious look on what this costs, and they're going to have to provide the funding. There's no way to, the current FDA can't do its job with insufficient financial resources, splitting the agency into two, both of those agencies would need to be appropriately funded for the work that they need to do. We've been strong supporters for years. We continue to make public statements on a regular basis that uh, FDA needs additional funding. The Office of Dietary Supplement Programs needs additional funding. We all want them to do their job. We've been somewhat successful. I shouldn't actually take the credit for that, but it has happened that we've advocated for it and there's more money that's gone into ODSP. That would have to continue. Um, the agency is really good at this too, a very recent, at, at requesting funding, a very recent public um, presentation by Commissioner Califf and talking about the food issues. Um, I think this might've been that congressional hearing and he's in the hot seat and they wanna know what's going on. It doesn't appear that you've got the attention on food regulation that needs to be there. His first sentence was an acknowledgement of the need for some restructuring and review of their uh, food safety 
programs. His second sentence was, and we need more money. And that's, uh, that's not, it's not cynical of him to say that. It's not cynical of me to notice it. It's true, the regulatory agencies always need more money and the tension between the executive and the legislative will continue where the executive will continue to say, we need more money and the legislature will dole it out as they perceive the need is manifest, so. And, you know, I think that's a, an appeal that most Americans would understand. You know, they see what's happening with infant formula. You know, they see these foodborne illnesses or, you know, things happening. So, you, you know, it's, it's, it's the need for funding is something that I think may resonate with, you know, constituents. I don't know, but yeah. Yeah, we're probably never going to be willing to pay the true cost of what it could cost. It's too expensive to fully regulate the way that the law envisions it. And so compromises are made and uh, revisions to uh, regulatory approaches are made and the agencies do what they can on the funding that they receive. And it's always a challenge though. It's always a challenge to get enough Get, get the work done on what's almost always going to be a, a strained uh, budget at best. Yeah, there's never enough money anywhere. So. Never enough. <laughs> Go ahead. So, Michael, you brought up um, some of the main benefits of having a, a agency devoted to food um, and food safety um, and not being kind of, you know, pulled from two different ends of the spectrum. Um, so... I wonder if you could talk about dietary supplements specifically, you know, what kind of, what kind of advantages would having this food safety administration have for dietary supplements specifically? Uh, what are the potential drawbacks? I know, you know, you talked about food being a bit of an afterthought for um, FDA, but um, I imagine there might be some fear that dietary supplements might be a bit of an afterthought for the food safety administration. Um, I know in our past conversations, you've talked about, um, think uh uh canadians uh regulatory um agency for um natural products they have a one devoted natural products whereas this one would be devoted to foods which includes natural products but how many people actually in their minds view dietary supplements as food yeah most consumers probably don't think of you know fruits vegetables protein, dietary supplements, right? They, we, we don't intuitively think of these as foods. They're simply in that regulatory category. Um, but I'm probably repeating myself some. The, the main advantage of establishing a separate agency is that we, we would move from having an agency that is spending most of its resources on the drug side. They would spend all of the resources on the food side that would allow the attracting of greater food safety experts um, to get the job done. Um, in terms of potential specific advantages for dietary supplements, I think if right now dietary supplements are this sliver of FDA, they're going to be a larger sliver of a food only agency. And I think that that in and of itself could make the Office of Dietary Supplement Programs more influential at, at broader management issues. One other detail that's 
it's not exactly a, an advantage or a disadvantage, but or if either, it's an advantage. The Office of Dietary Supplement Programs is already a well-developed um, office within the agency. We would assume that that would be intact. We'd see the same people that we've been working with for many years we'd, with the same programs. But again, if it were contextualized in a smaller pie, as it were, we would hope that it would be more influential in the programmatic development of a new food safety agency. And it is an interesting uh, almost contradiction that um, we're an industry that wants to be well-regulated. We want to be actively regulated. We don't want to be aggressively regulated. We don't want um, to be regulated in a manner where uh, the agency reinterprets regulations or where there's inconsistency in uh, inspection uh, activities. Um, but I think we, we would have a known entity that we would go forward with and we would continue this message of we want broad um, uh, implementation, broad enforcement. We, you've heard of this a lot, this concern about that only 5% of dietary supplement companies are inspected each year. We'd like it to be more. Uh, so again, if it's, if, if the, Dietary supplement side, the uh, the uh, Office of Dietary Supplement Programs could hopefully be more influential at a new agency. So, Michael, you know this under this design, um, there would be you know uh, foods and supplements would be separated from drugs. There'd be a chasm in between. Um, you know, are there any cases where, you know, we know that sometimes drugs and supplements might run up against each other regulatory, you know, in the regulatory world, like maybe something with the drug preclusion clause, I'm thinking like where they kind of intersect. Um, I'm just wondering, I don't know if this has, if this makes any sense at all, but would being in two separate agencies, are there any ways that that could make things either more complicated or easier in the cases where there is some intersection between, you know, how FDA deals with something going on with drugs and supplements. Let me answer that by suggesting that um, we view this legislation, the Food Safety Administration Act, as the beginning of the discussion. Um, we, as I said, we reached out to Senator Durbin's staff with a an expectation that they were thinking about this and that the timing, uh, the, it, the, the news cycle presented the opportunity to introduce this now. The 117th Congress probably doesn't present the opportunity to get this passed into law. Uh, there's too much going on, but we would like to think, and part of our outreach was it's very important for us to maintain good relationships with numerous congressional offices, including those that are historically critics, Senator Durbin being the, the best known of all of those. But part of our outreach was to remind him and 
maybe to tell his young staff for the first time, we worked really closely together 15 years ago to get the serious adverse event reporting law passed. That was me and Tony Young and Pete Evich sitting in the office, uh, Senator Durbin's office, um, first with a young woman named Anne Marie, and then she left and it became Krista, and she left and it was finally April. And we were also working with our colleagues in the other trade associations, but we think it's important to reassert the uh, value of and the mutual respect of that relationship. So thinking forward, um, can we start working with Senator Durbin's staff, with others in the industry, with companies on the food side also, trade associations on the food side? Does this have a real possibility? And if so, what are the other elements that would need to also be addressed to create a more perfect regulatory framework for dietary supplements in particular, but even foods? Are there other intersections that would need to be um, reviewed and, uh, and then revised so that we end up with uh, as few of those complications that you're alluding to as possible, get some of that cleaned up at the same time. Okay, interesting. And um, Michael, we have one last question for you. Um, you know, earlier when we were speaking, you mentioned that there were other versions, like similar versions of a, this bill um, that have happened through the years. Um, you know, can you talk about those a little? Just like how different were those past versions from what we're this bill that we're talking about today? Um, is the bill being uh, introduced now? Is it better than past uh, versions? It's way simpler. That's the main thing. The earliest versions, um, uh, what Senator Durbin and Representative DeLauro were proposing was to take all of the food functions of FDA and all of the food functions of USDA combined into a separate food agency so that FDA becomes the Federal Drug Administration and USDA goes back to simply advocating for agriculture, working with farmers. They're not regulating finished foods the way they do now. That was the original vision. Those bills were 80 or 90 pages. Incredibly complicated in terms of back to that earlier question, how do you separate out these things and put them back together? So this version is so much simpler. It's only taking the food functions of the current FDA, turns into a 12 page bill, and is almost certainly going to be simpler to manifest. So that's a significant difference. Now, what I don't know, and you know, even as I talk about that, we wanna have a, a good and uh, mutually respectful relationship with Senator Durbin's staff, I don't pretend that they're gonna tell me their secrets. So um, will they, uh, at the beginning of the next Congress, will they go back to that grander vision or, uh, or will they stick with this more narrow focus? Um, and again, I think there was a there was a, a news cycle, an opportunistic timing here. There's this drumbeat of um, uh, FDA's um, that that Politico article that just lambasted the um, the management structure, in, in, and and then the 
debacle with the infant formula and all of the attention on heavy metals and the lawsuits about FISMA, all those things kind of conspired, focused on the Food and Drug Administration. So in a new Congress, will Senators Durbin and Representative DeLauro, and I bring her name up all the time, but she's an important party to this. It's never been Senator Durbin on his own. Rosa DeLauro has a similar relationship with the dietary supplement side um, and also has a similar commitment to food safety. Uh, she, Durbin and DeLauro were primary authors of the Food Safety Modernization Act that passed in, what, 2011. Uh, and, and so I think um, the, what, we, what we don't know going forward is the, has the vision shifted to let's just correct the functions of what's now under FDA. Uh, and if so, I think we'll have a greater opportunity to build on this in the new Congress and look at other things that we think would be acceptable to all sides in terms of better regulation of um, dietary supplements. And, and for what it's worth, I think they should tell you all their secrets. Yeah, so. I know. Well, that's if they believed in transparency. I don't really mean to disparage our colleagues over there. So okay. we kid, we kid. I get it. You have yeah. to, you know, we don't tell them everything that we're thinking about either. It's just, but, but it's a, it's a cordial and um, communicative uh, relationship that we have um, established out of really our um, impetus uh, quite recently. And, you know, I uh, part of what got my attention was when Senator Durbin introduced his MPL bill, he made a statement on the floor about how um, the industry, how, how he, how much opposition and vitriol he faced from our industry when he tried to get the serious adverse event reporting law passed. He, he used this phrase, um, it was like holy water to the devil. A weird phrase I'll say, but nonetheless, it draws up the image. Um, and I remembered a different story. I remembered meeting with Anne-Marie, meeting with Krista, meeting with April. And so we wrote a letter to addressed to Senator Durbin saying, we read this with all respect, we wanna remind you of a different recollection. And we think that that served to kind of open the doors there. It was very easy to get the meeting uh, with his staff to talk about this bill. Um, and it, it, it was just, you know, all I wanted to do, I wasn't angry about it. I wasn't, I didn't need to issue some kind of, you know, blunt, public disclaimer or contradiction. It's just, no, let's correct that record because it's important when we can sit with somebody who we know we have a disagreement with at the beginning of the day and we want to work with them anyway. So we think that was important messaging at the outset. Fair enough. Well, Michael, that's all we have for you. Uh, I want to thank you again for your time and insights. Um, before we go, I also wanted to point out to our audience that um, APA's 10th Annual Botanical Congress is taking place on August 16th and 17th. The theme this year is Botanicals and Planet Earth, calling attention to the very real impacts climate change has on the industry, particularly um, when it comes to growing herbs and botanicals. 
So uh, Nutritional Outlook is a media sponsor of the two-day virtual symposium. Um, but as always, I'm sure it will be a highly informative event, and we encourage our listeners to attend. Thank you very much again for your time and for this opportunity to talk about really a, a, a new, an old idea that has surfaced anew and we think is at least worthy of the attention of the trade. Thank you again, Michael, for all your valuable insights as usual, as always. Thank you. Yep, thanks again. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Nutritional Outlook podcast. We're always pleased to take you behind the headlines and provide expert insights from industry leaders. Remember, you could always follow our continued coverage on this topic at nutritionaloutlook.com and on the social media platforms LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter at NutritionalO. The views expressed on this podcast do not reflect the views of Nutritional Outlook, its parent company, or our advertisers. For editorial questions, please email Editor-in-Chief Jennifer Grebo at jgrebo at mjhlifesciences.com. And for sponsorship opportunities, please email group publisher Todd Baker at tbaker at mjhlifesciences.com. Thank you all so much for joining, and we'll talk to you next time.